Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. everybody away this morning but I also didn't guilt anybody to come so oh boy anyways God is good um how many are familiar with the Mohawk Valley Choir choir anybody familiar with the Mohawk Valley Choir I was sitting there thinking I'm going to tell you a little bit something about my dad just because I used him so much and about his integrity and what he would try to do but uh and I was thinking to myself I used to sing in the Mohawk Valley Choir do you remember John Nethaway? Does anybody remember John Nethaway? Okay. I, I just wonder if anybody in this church was a part of that choir, because I may have known you back then and didn't. It's a semi-professional choir, by the way. Uh, and I sang in that, and uh, just t- I'm, I'm revealing things to you. You still don't know a lot of stuff about me. Uh, and I, uh, John Nethaway was, um, he was a, he was just very talented, uh, choir director. He retired in 2009, but he, he, uh, he said to me when he came up to me one time, he says, Skinetti Gazette is looking for a couple choir models to model some clothing. (laughs) Yours truly did it. Yeah. Me and, uh, another, uh, guy, they wanted two men, two women. And they asked me if I would model clothing. So if you look in the archives of Skenethi Gazette, you'll find back somewhere uh, in the uh, early, not 2000, later than that, somewhere in the 90s, I think, uh, you'll see a picture of me on the front page in a modeling suit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, one of the highlights of singing with them is you get to sing at Proctor's, and uh, that was that was fun. And you travel with them and and sing, and uh, they had some extreme talents there. So uh, they didn't need me for my voice. Uh, they just uh, I just was able to privileged to be able to when they had, uh, when they auditioned, I passed the audition. So. I just remember I went down. I don't know why I even did it to this day. Somebody must have asked me to do it. I did it for a few years, but anyways. Let's go back to Matthew 10, or excuse me, Matthew 7, uh, just to set by way of stage the, uh, uh, what we learned this morning and what we're going to move ahead on today. And while you're getting there, I want to tell you just a little story about my dad. Um, my dad was a, gr- a good dad, except for the fact he drank too much, that's all. And I think a lot of it is because of what happened to him with losing uh, his wife, early, my mother, early in years. And uh, uh, so he was, um, um, I, I don't know if that was part of the reason, but, uh, but he was a, a, a really fun guy to know. And he would also, also um, uh, he was, took care of his, his two children when after my mom died the best he could. And I'm going to share a little bit about him. Uh, he, but he, he turned... Um, liberal towards the end years. He was conservative most of his life. For some reason, he went the other direction. Uh, I'm not really sure why. Um, it didn't sound right to me hearing him talk about some of the stuff the Democrats are doing now. Like the, like it's, uh, it just didn't, it didn't fit with him, but I, 
I don't know if it was his age or what was going on there, but that wasn't the fun part, I'll tell you that. Anyways, he was, uh, <clears throat> when he was a kid, when he was only about six years old, six or seven years old, he was, uh, his cousin was opening a package in the front seat of the car with a knife and a box. And my dad was in the back seat, curious. He got up to look to see what it was as he's opened the package and stabbed my dad in the eye. Um, uh, all the way in too and um, so they rushed him to the hospital and they were able to save his eye but not his sight so he was totally blind in that eye but they kept the actual eye but you could always tell there was something not right with it, it didn't follow patterns and stuff like that so when it came to, to dad in, in school he wasn't a big fan of school obviously but he was a big fan of the military and he wanted to get into the Navy to follow the pattern of our generation. Uh, Navy is, is where my family has run through. You know, my uncles, and uh, they came up through. In fact, I was about ready, uh, when the draft was happening, I have a number, I was just about ready to, to join the Navy when, the, uh, when they ended it, when Nixon ended it. And, um, and, I, and at that same time, I was going to join the railroad, offered me a job. And at that time, the railroad was the best job you could get in the area. And I thought, boy, if I do this, I don't get this. I didn't. I was a hard decision, but I went with the railroad. Uh, anyways, the rest is history. But my dad, um, with that eye, uh, tried to sneak his way into the Navy. This is type he was. So what he did was, he uh, as he's in the line in the eye test, he memorized the chart. So he memorized it. So when it got up to him, they said, uh, Lyman. Uh, what's on, close your right eye and give the, the name, and then they switched it and close your left eye. And he, and he, from memory, just said what the chart was, and they took him into the Navy. Wow. Right? So he took him into the Navy, but it didn't last long. <laughs> so he's in the Navy. He's only about seven weeks in the Navy in boot camp, and, uh, and they have this drill where they take uh, the rifles, and you have to shoot both ways. Right. Well, uh, he shot the first way, but as he went the other way, he didn't even hit the target. It wasn't even close. And the, and the sergeant came up to him and said, what's wrong with that eye? And then they took him in. And the, uh, I, I don't know, what's, what's a, uh, Ginger, what's higher than a sergeant? What would be the next one? Officer. Sorry. What, what is it? Is it? I don't know. Anyways, he went up to somebody higher and they said, you know, if you had told us this and didn't lie about it, uh, we, would have, we would have given you an office job, right, and you would be able to stay. But because of that, they discharged him and, right, and let him go. So he only, he, he just missed having enough weeks in uh, to get anything from the military. So he never got anything out of it. But he's also, he was also very dedicated to it, though. And that's why it really confused me in his ending years where he just went this way liberal. Uh, the conservative, he still had a love for the flag, love for his country, uh, but, he, but he just could not get past like Trump or um, several other things. Just couldn't get past it. And, and I think it made him bitter in the end. I really do. I think a lot of Democrats are bitter. That's my personal opinion. 
just very angry with life, and I think that's why they go that direction and everybody else is bad. I, I'm not picking on Democrats right now. I'm not trying to do that. This isn't a political message. But, um, but what I do know is he did do a lot of good for me and my sister um, in, in growing up. So I want to share the last three of these things. So just by way of reference, let's start off with Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, uh, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the hot, that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Uh, great, as it says, was the fall of it, right? We don't want to miss that. Great was the fall of it. Uh, I've watched people through the years, families, uh, literally uh, take a nosedive uh, because they have not followed the principles of, of the Bible. So, Father, just help us now. If I, help me, Lord, as I finish this. Help us all to... Uh, to maintain and attain all these things that you want us to learn. Uh, we, we want to be the best servant that we can be for you, the best soldier uh, that we could be for you, uh, uh, and the best um, saint that we can be for you. So I trust that you'll help me with these last three uh, points, and it would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so grandparenting, part two. By the way, a reminder, building block number one, follow biblical principles. Right, building block number two, lay a strong foundation. Building block number three, and I should start it with teach them to follow biblical, talking about children. Uh, building block number two, teach them to lay a strong foundation. Building block number three, teach them to use the best materials available to them. Right, and uh, but in building block number four, teach them to never cut corners. Right, to never cut corners. So now we continue. So tonight, building block number five, pay attention to the roof. Pay attention to the roof. This is my favorite one. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, we've had a few leaks coming through that light. I came in here the other day, it was raining, there's some drops on the, I called Pastor Horn, he said, that's normal, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> he said, yeah. No, he said the, if the wind blows a certain way, I guess that happens, and the wind was blowing a certain way uh, this past week, so anyways. So this is my favorite one, and probably the most important one, and I, so I want to spend just a little time on this. All right, many bad things have happened in the Bible concerning roofs, and here are three of them. Number one, Lot offered his daughters to be molested so that no harm would come under his roof. Now you can look that up yourself. I don't remember the reference, but he, when, they, when, they, when the angels came and he just didn't want any harm to come to them under his roof, it says, so he offers his daughters you know, to these uh, pervert, perverted people. Right? That's the first one, and that's bad enough. Samson, now think about Samson. Samson, uh, I have a message that I that I will preach on this eventually about Samson, how he had to come to the end of his life 
to make sense and to do what was right because he didn't do it for his whole life. I don't think there's one mention of Samson inquiring of God in the whole book uh, or the whole chapter about him in Judges until the end, right? And I'll preach that one day. But Samson lost his life because of having to collapse a roof, which he could have avoided if he had just trusted and obeyed. Right? If he didn't give in to you know, his sexual immorality and all the other things, uh, he just was a very prideful judge. David, and this is probably the most heinous one, he committed several crimes like adultery, lying, murder, and lost many blessings like children, all because of watching another man's wife bathe on a roof. He was supposed to be in battle, and he wasn't. Uh, he was abusing his power at that point. And what he did was he went out on the roof and saw, obviously, Uriah's wife down there, ended up marrying her and had the child, but, and then proceeded to get further and further into evil. And it only started with just one look. That's all it started. Um, so that's how dangerous things can be and, and how important the roof is. Uh, this, this one block, or this one building block is so important. Here's why. Dad would say to me, give special attention to the roof. If you take care of it, it will take care of you. Now, what did he mean by that? And he had no idea how this was going to help me in life, spiritually speaking, to help children, uh, parents, and grandparents uh, uh, learn this principle. He did not know it then, but spiritually speaking, he just hit it out of the park with that. Uh, if you make sure the roof is well-maintained and up-to-date, your house will last a lifetime. Now, here's what I mean by this. Watching our nation take a spiritual nosedive, a moral nosedive collapse, I wonder how many parents paid attention to their child's spiritual roofs. If you pay attention to the roof, leaks won't be able to destroy the structure or the foundation. Every part of the roof needs to have attention. Dad used to say that. Uh, he used to buy property when I was younger and unsaved, and he'd say, make sure the roof is good. He says, it, it, make sure it hasn't been leaking long. You know, that's the main thing. Parents, pay attention, listen to me, to every part of your child's life. Every single part. If you don't, the world will leak in to their lives and destroy all the hard work that you've built. Strict attention has to be given to every single detail of your child's life. And what's happening today is parents aren't paying attention. And kids are doing things now as they always have. Only now, there's so much out there they can get into that will mess up their lives that we didn't have when we were younger. You know, I remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> in the morning, say on the summer, in the morning at 7.30, 8 o'clock, we'd, uh, we'd pack a lunch and then out we would go and wouldn't come back to the end of the day. The only thing my mother wanted to know was that you were back to eat supper. And we would, we would travel miles into the woods or into the other part of town on bikes or whatever. There was no reason to worry or anything. As long as you got back to everybody's supper, if not, right, they took the local police who wasn't very good at that time and, and send you out. It's kind of the Barney Five type thing back then. But everything has to be monitored. Nothing is to be left unchecked. 
All right, now listen to me carefully. Unchecked friendships will take them the wrong way. Unchecked TV, and I'll talk a little more a little bit than that. Unchecked internet accesses. Unchecked music. To just to name a few, all are good examples of the leaking influences that can destroy a child's life when he or she gets older. So TV, for one example, now I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a blanket statement here, is no longer ever a good resource for a child. Ever. And, I, and I'm not afraid to say that. There is nothing good on TV anymore, including all your commercials, all your entertainment, sports, advertisements. Even the net news is bad. I mean, I watched in horror as Channel 10, Channel 6, Channel 13 celebrated that pride parade and made it sound like this was the greatest thing that ever happened to Albany. Even, even the news is bad. So even all children's programs. My daughter Amanda goes, goes to our church here. My daughter Jade also. Uh, Lindsay doesn't let the kids watch TV, so they don't have a TV for that. So we, we don't worry about that. But they, t they call me all the time and tell me, have you seen what's on Sesame Street? Or have you watched what's on? And I said, no, you know, I don't watch TV. And then I, so I have to go in and I have to, you know, do my due diligence and, and find out what's going on. Even children's programs now promote perverted and illicit sexual impurities and demonic stuff and unlike, uh, unchristlike influences like I've never seen before. Um, drag queens. They're in all of them now. Drag queen. I just read or just watched, I guess it was, there's a school that has a drag queen superintendent and they refuse to get rid of him, right, because he's done such a good job all these years. Um, so I believe the unchecked TV is one of the worst examples of irresponsible parenting there is. Innocent eyes can be corrupted very quickly if not strictly monitored uh, by determined parents. You know, they just have to, they have to stay on it. And a, a good rule of thumb, I believe, is just to keep your, you and yourself away from anything Hollywood produces, and you'll, you'll do a pretty good job of missing most of it. So we must ask ourselves as parents, concerning all the resources we allow our children to participate in, are they the best, re, uh, uh, best influences, right? on our children, or will it lead them to corruption, or could something slip in or leak in, all right, and change their view of something? And that's why I say pay attention to the roof so none of these perversions or satanic, satanic influences uh, leak into your home, because that's how usually how they come in. You know, don't settle for anything less than the best when it comes to your kids and when it comes to what they partake in. So as far as I know, there's no recorded deaths of any child for not watching TV, <laughs> right? So you're okay, right? Um, so pay attention to the roof. I, I might add this one thing to this one before we go further, is that the roof is where the, in, the atten, antenna always is, or antenna or whatever, the antenna, it always is. That's where it's usually located, right? If you've got cable TV up on top, is that dish, you know, and um, we, I had to get over there for the house, I had to get uh, Spectrum 
only because it, I couldn't get phone calls at the house, I couldn't get internet at the house, couldn't get anything there. So we, we got uh, spectrum. But most of the time it comes from a, an antenna. Right now, listen to Ephesians 2 about airwaves because it, it makes sense. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the curse of this world. Isn't that true? Yes. According to, now it's two accordings. According to the curse of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Did you catch that? The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past and in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were, nature, we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. I firmly believe that verse right there, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, every parent should sit down with their children and read that to them and explain to them that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And it's going to what? Worketh in the children of, disobe of disobedience. Right? It's caused children to be disobedient. Um, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That's how we get everything today. It only makes sense that the internet is now his preferred tool for reaching into those young minds. Right? It's just and destroy homes and destroy their lives. So instead of letting children spend so much time on Facebook, right, get their faces into the good book. Now you've heard that said before, but I want to go further than that. That goes for us too, adults. It really does. I have no problem with Facebook when it's interjecting things for Christ or talking with each other. It is, it is kind of a social network that works good for churches at times. But boy, oh boy, um, I just started using it not too long ago. I'm going to say maybe two, well, when COVID started. And I have to be careful myself on what I'm watching now. What comes up, what comes up, feeds you, you know, that wants to feed you. So here's, here's what I say. Each child needs to be inspected. You can write these four things down. Wants to be inspected, or needs to be inspected, directed, corrected, and protected. It's, it's a good memory Thing. They need to be inspected carefully, often, directed. Right? They, we don't know how to, I talked about that this morning about the heart and in Sunday school. We just don't know how to go our own way without the Lord. They need to be corrected right? because they are going to do things that needs correction and they need to be protected from this world. So children need a lot of attention, don't they? So let them get it from you and not from the world. Don't be a deadbeat dad or unavailable mother, right? Let them get all their attention from you. Uh, we, I see a lot of good stuff in this church when it comes to um, young parents and the way they take care of their kids, as opposed to what I see out in the world. It's awful. And uh, at 75 years old, I remember my father still went up on the roof. He still went up every week and cleaned... And, uh, I think Russ so it was one of the things they said at his funeral. Uh, at some age, he was still on the roof or in a tree or something like that, right? 
Well, no, my dad was that way. So at 75 years old, he's up on the roof and he's cleaning off all the debris that's on that roof to protect that roof until he fell off the roof and broke both legs. Then what did he do? Well, he just found, called around, tried to find somebody to do it, and he hired somebody, and every week since then, up till he died, he had somebody up there cleaning off that roof. That's how important it is. Parents, that's how important your spiritual roof in your house is. So a roof left, left to itself without proper inspection, protection, correction, direction, right? And it will eventually lead to the collapse of the house, or at least uh, it might even take your child into a direction uh, that, that, that'll take them so far away they may never come back. The Bible says a child left to himself bringeth shame to his mother. We just can't let them be to themselves. That's all there's to it. So that's building block number five, okay? And that, was, that would take the most. The next ones are short. Uh, but building block number six is it can never be too strong. I, I could say this, and I, I'm sure somebody wouldn't agree with me, but um, I would rather a parent be too strict than to be less strict. I really would. I just think um, I would rather take the chance that, you know, they say, oh, you get so strict that they're going to... I would rather go that direction than take a chance of being too lenient. Right? It's always better to be overcautious than undercautious. So Dad used to say, it can never be too strong, but it can be too weak. So for dad, it was better to overdo it than underdo it. I believe that's the way we should be. It's better to overdo it than underdo it. So when dad built something, he built it, he wanted it to last. And his motto was, don't take a chance on it coming apart. I can, I can, hear, I can hear him right now. Just put another nail in it. You know, parents today are taking too many chances with their children. And don't assume a child knows better or will make the right decisions. Because yours truly, I feel, was a pretty good ch child when I grew up. At least that's what they told me. Uh, but I certainly went my way as teenage years. Went that way that wasn't good. Uh, but don't, take, don't, take, uh, don't assume a child knows better or will make the right decision. Don't assume your child's incapable of lying or being irresponsible or being mischievous like other children. It's just that you don't go in there and just hammer them across the head. They do it. No, you try to help them. Right? I talked about that this morning. Parents today are treating their children like they're friends when they should be treating them like they're their parents. Uh, you're not friends with them. You're their parents until you get older. Then you can be their friends, right? Like, like now at my age, right? Now we're a kid's friend, right? So being their friends comes later. Right now you've got parenting to do. And I really believe grandparenting is the same way. We just got, we got stuff to do to help them. The Bible says, Chasten thy child while there is hope, and let not the soul spare for his crying. I have to give you this illustration. I think I've got time. When my son was 11 days old, all right, just got home from the hospital, 11 days old, he came down with bacterial meningitis. And he got it from a staph infection in the, in the uh, birthing room. All right. Now, I don't know if you know a little bit about that. It is the most dangerous thing you could possibly go through at 11 days old. So it, it was a very scary 24 hours because the doctor said to us, in the next 24 hours, he's either going to die, he's going to be paralyzed, or he's going to be blind. That's what normally happens, he says. So let's pray for the best. 
that he said, I'm going to give him, I'm going to go, I'm going to be, in other words, here we go again, be over, I'm going to overdo it because I'm going to treat it like it's the worst thing. He's going to get the worst thing and it's not going to be, it's not going to be pretty to watch. He said, but we got to do this. And they immediately, we rushed him to the hospital and they, I mean, I never seen a kid 11 days old with so many tubes in him. Tubes in his legs, tubes in his head, tubes, tubes everywhere on his body. Uh, so he, he made it through the 24 hours, praise God, and was one of those few fortunate ones who survived with no side effects. Um, but a neighbor of ours had it too, and he ended up being blind. So now here's what I want to tell you about crying, because parents, we talk, talk a lot about kids when they cry. I remember that night sitting in the hospital of my, uh, by my son's side with all the tubes going into his head and his feet at a low, only 11 days old. Right, it's pitch black in there in the room. I'm just sitting there, and I'm an unsaved man, so it was heartbreaking. And I was right in the middle of intense prayers to God, even though I didn't know Jesus as my Savior. And I, I, I was just begging God to spare my son's life. When a doctor walked in, a, a doctor of another child, uh, not in my room, but another room, he walked in, had no idea I was sitting there. Uh, so, and uh, by the way, sick babies in the ward were screaming at the top of their lungs. Unbeknownst to that doctor, there I was sitting there in the dark, and he shouted at the nurse, shut those kids up. Yeah. Yeah, true story. Shut those kids up. I, I want to tell you something. I need to say, I almost shut him up with my fist. I was, in, that, in that day, it would not have been unlike me for to do that, to do that, but I was so worried about my own son uh, that uh, it was just wrong. He's in the wrong profession, wasn't he? Doesn't crying come with the territory of a pediatrician? You're dealing with sick kids. And it's the same thing with the doctor or with a parent, right? Kids cry. That's what they do. It's not bad for them to cry. Uh, but we look and go, oh, he's crying. You know, give him what he wants. Do what he's, you know, we got to. Um, crying never hurts kids, and it shouldn't deter us from disciplining them or making us give up on them or make us give in to them. Right. Here's, here's the lesson. Children can never be too strong, and they, and they can be too weak. So homes can never be built strong without a, the strong influence of their parents and the strong influence of Jesus Christ. Right. That's why, Mom and Dad, you got to stay strong. How many of you had strong parents in this? I mean, I'm talking strong parents. Yeah, look at you. Yeah, that's, that's good. But I'll tell you, not today. It's not, it's not happening way out in the world right today. Uh, fathers aren't even taking care of their children. You know, mothers are letting their children do anything. It's just amazing what I'm watching out there, and they're wondering, like, what happened, you know? So Jesus was not a weak man. I shared about that this morning. He had hands of a mason. He had strength of a builder. I often tell people who like to push me or push the envelope on me, uh, don't confuse my kindness with weakness. Right, just don't confuse it. I'll be as kind as I can to anybody, everybody I can. But if you want to push the envelope, let's, we're at it. Because that's just the way it is. It's the way I was brought up, right? And to be strong and to defend. So uh, I'll leave you with that. And I won't go anymore so I won't incriminate myself. But. <laughs> All right. Teach them to follow biblical instructions. Teach them to lay a strong foundation. Teach them to use the best materials. Teach them to not cut corners. Teach them to pay attention to the roof. Teach them it can't be too strong. They can't be too strong. 
And then building block number seven, the last one, build them with integrity. Build them with integrity. So the joke used to be, when I was working with my dad, and we'd see a flaw, maybe that I did, or maybe that he did, and he would say, they'll never see it from the throughway. But it was sarcasm, okay? It was sarcasm. And I knew when he said that, I might as well just start tearing it apart and starting it all over again because he wasn't going to let me get away with it. And I knew that if he said that and it was his fault, he was going to start tearing it apart and doing it all over again. He'd maybe do it again until I got it right. And we've taken the competitiveness, listen to me, the competitiveness and the determination to do better by just giving rewards for just participating. That's what we've done with our kids. Yeah, one of my favorite sports to watch, and I praise the Lord that the Letlow family is in this church. One of my favorite sports to watch is wrestling. And, and uh, Blage is a good wrestler. Um, and I, I've been, I think, to two of his ma- uh, matches or whatever. But anyways, the reason I love it so much, is, it's, it's, a, it's an individual sport. And it really all falls on his shoulders. If he wins or he loses or how he you know, uses his, the uh, wisdom that he's learned from his coaches and all that stuff. And that's what makes it so atten- intense to me. But wrestling is a type thing when you learn the right ways and you do it you know, with precision, boy, you can become very good at it. And it's no different for a child today in, spiritual, in their spiritual walk. As a result, what has happened is this, is that we've taken the competitiveness out, we've taken the determination to do better out, and as a result, we're raising a generation of whiners and quitters. So no matter how many times it took me, it needed to be done right. Now you say, why, because your father was a dictator? No. It was because my father had integrity. And I had to learn that. Because I thought he was a little mean at times. Right? But he was an example of integrity when it came to his work. So teaching your children to do their best and not to quit will never work as a parent if you don't show them how to do it and then be with them through it. Show them mercy when they fall and grace and respect while they're trying to do so. Right? As long as they're trying, that's all that counts. And then you get in there and you're just like uh, Ur with Moses and uh, and just raising their arms up and trying to keep them going. So why did dad do that? Well, because of integrity. Here's, here's parent and grandparents as a steward of God's children, our integrity is at stake, but also is Christ's integrity. Why? Because they're his children first. So I close with this story, or I may have one more here if I have time. Uh, Ten years ago at age 82, 82 years old, while having breakfast with my dad on one of our Florida visits, and he just lived in a regular little old trailer. And I noticed him looking puzzled at the kitchen countertop. You know, he'd take a bite and he'd look over. Then he'd take another bite and look over. You know, and I, of course, I noticed all that. Um, he was puzzled looking, and I said, what's the matter, Dad? He says, I just noticed, he said, that the countertop right in the center sags about an eighth of an inch. True story. And, and I said, and I can, assure, I can assure all of you here, right, it was barely noticeable. But my dad saw it. 
And he, and he was a perfectionist, and he said, what kind of carpenter would leave it that way? So he said, whew, boy. I said, I want to say me? <laughs> yeah, as a carpenter, I probably would have left it. But I was afraid he'd, uh, he, I'd feared him a little. It's still 82. So even though it had been this way for 20 years in this trailer, 20 years, he just noticed it. It was so important to him that when me and my wife left, to go over to our motel room and come back later to have supper with him, it was all fixed. Yep. He tore that whole countertop out, jacked up the back of it to get that eighth inch, to get it up there to where it was needed to be. So I'm here to tell you, I didn't notice the sag. No, I didn't. But I didn't notice the integrity of my dad at that point. Mm. All right, Dad used to say, even if no one else can see it, if you can see it, it needs to be fixed. Right? Because your name is at stake. And, and it, made, it makes sense to me now uh, that, my, that, my friends, is integrity. So do it right because it's the right thing to do, period. Even if you're the only parent on the block that's doing it the right way, you just do it the right way. And today in parenting, I see so many parents letting so many things go. It's with the attitude that it's not hurting anyone. It's okay. I love kids. I love them to pieces. I am so excited. This church is so full of kids. I, I, I just try to, I want to be their own. And by the way, you should encourage them to talk to their pastor. Because right? when they leave and they get older, I want them to go to their pastor. I, now, I started the fist bump here. I only did that because of COVID. What I used to do is I'd sit up there. They'd have to come up, and, they'd, and they would give me a hug, and then walk across the pulp and go down. So they'd get a feel of what it's like to be up in up here looking out at people because I want to see them one day doing what I'm doing or at least doing something in ministry, right? And I also want them to know their pastor, that their pastor is always going to be there for them. I want these, every one of these kids, I want them to know if they need something, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to do whatever I can to be there for them. But here's what's happening today. Parents are justifying bad behavior as just being cutesy cute stuff or innocent, and they're quick to defend the bad behavior as child's need for release. You know, they say, well, don't worry about it. They'll grow out of it. Well, I'm here to tell you that not only will they not grow out of it, they'll grow used to it. And when they grow used to it, kids do not, uh, they release it in other ways. So they do need a release. I agree with that. That's not, that's not the option, but not at the expense of bad behavior. Because that teaches them wrong. So I want to produce, I don't want to produce an ungrateful, entitlement-minded adult because I didn't address their bad behavior when they were a child. So no one may be able to see it. But if you, especially moms, moms, you see it. I, I, miss, I, miss so many, I miss so many things raising my kids, and my wife saw it. It's, it's just a supernatural ability God gives to women and mothers, Right? she could see it. And she'd pull me aside sometimes and say, you know, Lindsay did this. And uh, I said, why don't you do that? <laughs> That's what I'd say. And she'd go, well, she did this, and she needs to be spoken to. And i go, wow, how did I miss that, right? But I, I, God, God says if you love your children, you need to stop their bad behavior. It says that right in Revelation 3.19. He's the example of integrity in that area. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I don't know how we could take it any other way, right? That should be enough for us to stop the bad behavior and not blame anyone else for our kids' bad behavior. 
They're just little sinners. That's, that's all they are. And right now, people are quick to blame everybody else for my kid's bad behavior. Well, it was a kid down the street, or it was this. And, listen, I just remember my father that's not saying to me, that's not my son. You're my son. And I don't want to ever have you come home from school doing something, he says, or you'll get it twice as bad as you got it in school. I remember him telling me, scared me half to death until I got older. And then I didn't care, which was bad, right? But he was an example. We need to be an example of integrity because it's so important for a child to learn it. Um, our, best uh, our children need us to give our very best. They need to see it. They need to see it for love's sake. They know that you love them then, that way. Discipline proves your love for them, not the other way around that everybody teaches, the world teaches here today. It will help them depart from iniquity, iniquity when they're older. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands assured, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. My Heavenly Father knows what I'm doing. That's all I should be, care, be most concerned about. He knows me, right? Same way, parents, you know your children. If parents, if parents would build their own lives around Jesus, they'd stop a lot of trouble in a lot of years with their children. And their children, help them, their children to build their lives around Jesus. And then they'll, they will be responsive, productive human beings. So I close, I'll close with this. You know, after losing my mother... Uh, to cancer at 14 and watching my father work long hard hours uh, just to provide for me and my sister I learned that integrity was important to my dad and it became important to me um, in fact my sister too I don't think there's any woman on planet earth works harder than my sister oh, I, she just retired and she's, she's going bonkers she is she, she's just a hard you've seen her here um, with uh, Alan or Alby, her, her husband. They'll be here from time to time. But boy, she's a hard worker. And because of it, she's kept her job when, when they went through all of these things and fired people and given, she's the one that's always stayed. She's got longevity. She's got like 35 years in this company that she works for. Now, Pat and I have worked hard at trying to lay the right foundation for our children. So far, it's paid off. Right? And I think a lot of it came from some of the things that we learned from our parents. But now we're doing it for our grandchildren. Yeah, I can almost weep over this sometimes. Uh, it's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. Until you take your last breath, you're somebody's parent or grandparent, if you've had children, or you're the daughter or son of somebody that it was a parent. And I, I, just, I just challenge you tonight. It's not over till it's over. Until you take your last breath, you just have a job to do. That's all there is to it. You have a legacy to leave. You have a heritage to keep. Do you know how hard it is when I see a husband commit adultery on his wife? You know what the hardest part of that? Is trying to explain that to your children. I, I can't even imagine... That. I can't imagine if I had done something as foolish as that to go to my eldest grandchild right now who's 17 who absolutely adores his grandfather and telling him, grandson, grandpa messed up. You know, grandpa messed up and uh, so he won't be with grandma anymore. 
I mean, just, just I, I can't even imagine. I, I think I'd rather, I better not say that. Yeah, from the pulpit. But I want to tell you something. Listen, my challenge is just be good grandparents. You're, you have a legacy to leave. You have a heritage to keep. There's, there's nothing like grandparenting. Amen? I, I agree with whoever said that. If I knew how much fun I said grandchildren would be, I would have had them first. But at this point in our lives, and listen to me, this is where it's going to be fun, all right, as we close this. At this point in our lives, my grandkids can't do anything wrong. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I know you all feel the same way, right, because they're so cute, and, and, uh, they, and, and, but parents go crazy because of that. <laughs> and uh, it just drives them crazy because we just get in there, rile them up, and we go back home and go to bed. And, <laughs> at an early hour, and they got to take care of that stuff afterwards. And I'm old now. I'm leaving here soon. So, you know, you have to humor me in this area, right? The other thing is they can't do anything wrong, and there's nothing we won't do for them. All right? I, there's just nothing. Am I right? And sometimes that irritates parents too, right? Because, you know, I'm trying to teach my kid to be humble and not want everything, and here we are. I, just, this, just this past week, I, I couldn't resist myself. I said to my wife, I said, um, before she left, I said, let's, let's take a ride over. She loves to go over to the store over here on um, the Salvation Army store. And Schenectady, that goes between Schenectady and Albany. And in there was this, yeah, this huge teddy bear. Oh, it was, had to be that tall. It was pink. And I, I got on my phone, texted my daughter, I said, look what I found. Please. <laughs> so I put, can I give it to Haley? Can I get it for Haley? And she writes back, she goes, every part of me says, absolutely not. <laughs> she says, but I know she would love it coming from her pop-up. So... Um, I think it was maybe church this morning where I said to Mandy, I bought it, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and she goes, oh, well, I'm looking forward to this, she says, right? <laughs> That's why we drive our ch children crazy who are trying to raise their gr our grandchildren right, and we want to just give them everything. But, of course, I'm joking, but, uh, well, maybe I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> right? But if we as grandparents don't help our children in teaching our grandchildren, to honor their parents, to be respectful of others, and to obey their Lord in all of the circumstances of life, what have we left them? What's it going to be like for them? So even though I want to give them everything, and even though I want to believe they haven't done nothing, done nothing wrong, parenting still continues. It just still continues to the day you take your last breath. So if we don't make it a priority to teach them godly principles for success, and strength in this life, how will their own home stand when Satan comes against them with the storms of life? Amen? Let me give you the just a list in case you're writing. Teach them to follow biblical instructions. Teach them to lay a strong foundation. Teach them to use the best materials. Teach them to not cut corners. Teach them to pay attention to the roof, their roofs. Teach them it can't be too strong, it can never be too strong. And then teach them to build their lives on integrity. Right? The one thing I always notice about Job is that he never lost his integrity. 
You know, he never gave it all up. He, he said, you know, he wanted to die. Just kill me, Lord, and get it over. But he never lost his integrity. Never lost his integrity. And I challenge you to do the same. So, Father, thank you for uh, these principles that, that unbeknownst to my dad, uh, probably even to this very day, although he's celebrating in heaven, um, they made an impact. And it was all according to Matthew 7, which he had read, uh, but I'm not sure he understood it, but he was applying it. And I praise the Lord for that because of his parents who taught him these principles. So, Father, help us to be the people you need us to be to raise a generation you need to use. And we'll thank you this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.